0: Jay we will start with the Nokar Mantra Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Siddhanam Om Namo Ayodhyanam Om Namo Achyanam Namo Devai Sarva Sanhunam Eso Pancha Namokaroh Mangalam so last week, I gave you the challenge to change your perspective at least once during the week, to start to see your world <clears throat> Excuse me, in terms of substances, and the only substances around you besides time are the priceless souls and the worthless matter. Did anybody complete the challenge? Yeah,
1: yeah, when you mean say complete the challenge, yes, uh, that was quite a focus last week and the week before, actually.
0: What did you learn, if anything?
1: Uh, it was more like a discussion with the family than for myself. Uh, putting it down to the things that matters and uh, talking about those things rather than uh, just uh, taking that as a part of the surroundings. So, like I mentioned to you, we were traveling to Dallas, and a uh, lot of different discussion during the car part of our 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 class discussion. So, kids started. It, there's no changes in in anybody's behavior, but at least it was a discussion point uh, quite a bit uh, last week and week before for us.
0: Okay, great. Did anybody else attempt the challenge to see the world around you differently, to see it in terms of the substances we've been talking about?
1: I also must add that uh, the, the mosquitoes, the big-sized mosquitoes, that what you start seeing it nowadays, right? Um, inside the house, outside the house, uh, kids are looking at it differently for sure. That's great, that's the whole point. 100% friendly, (laughs) yes.
0: That's great. So uh, we're having challenges each week and so we'll have a different challenge at the end of today's discussion. So today I'd like to talk about the monkey mind. Your mind is a monkey. It's always chattering and it's impulsive. It's always jumping about from past to present to future and back again it's always considering the worst case scenario and it's so focused on your problems that those problems become outsized all problems no matter how small expand to fill the mind that they're in so even if you're Even if, let's say, you're a really rich person with no cares in the world and you have all the time to do as much Neirdra as you want and you're the envy of the whole world. Those people still have problems. And they... Those problems are very real. But we look from the outside and say, Oh, those can't be real problems. Those are small problems. So it's important to identify the monkey mind. That's the first step, is identifying... That your monkey mind exists and that is true. That is, identifying that your awareness is separate from your thoughts. So there's this meditation expert, uh, Mingyur Rinpoche, and here's how he describes the monkey mind. The monkey mind is neither good nor bad. The important thing is your relationship with your monkey mind. If you treat your monkey mind as a boss or an enemy, you're, you'll lose. You will lose 100% of the time. And you have a problem because now your monkey mind is crazy and restless because you gave it too much authority. The problem is having a monkey mind as a boss or an enemy always leads to your suffering. So how should we treat it? We should treat it as a friend. And if you treat it as a friend, it will give you wisdom. But to make friends with your monkey mind, you have to get to know it. Like a regular friend. You have to know your friend. So the first step is identifying that it exists. So to make friends with your monkey mind, you have to give it a job and train it. And that's what we call mindfulness and meditation. For example... We can train your monkey mind. You can give it a job by saying, hey, you pay attention to your breath. So let's try that for 15 seconds. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to sit down. You don't have to lotus position. No, nothing. You just let's examine our breath for 15 seconds. Let's give our monkey mind a job. Say, hey, you tell it to watch your breath. Okay, it did what we asked it to do. So it became our friend in those 15 seconds. We gave it a job. And you'll find out that what happens is that all those things, your thoughts, when you give your monkey mind a job, your thoughts, your emotions, and your feeling all go into the background because your monkey mind has a job and it's not worried about those things. That is a superpower. Forcing negative emotions to not affect you, to not affect your life, is a superpower that you have in your life. People are billowed this way and that by their negative emotions, by outside circumstances, by external things. But if you can make friends with your monkey mind and give it a job and make those things happen in the background. That's a superpower. And so what you'll realize is that, excuse me, here's an example. This is a famous example, and it's pretty good as far as analogies go, is that your mind is the sky and thoughts and emotions and feelings are like clouds that pass through the sky. And people too often think that their mind are the clouds. The clouds come and they go and they pass through and they dissipate and they form. And sometimes they're positive and sometimes they're rain clouds. They're negative. But the sky is always present. The sky is what the clouds reside in. It's the water that the fish swim in. It's everything that we navigate. And the sky is your mind. And your mind is open and expansive and present. And the problem is, is when you start identifying with the clouds and believe incorrectly that the clouds are your mind, then things start working against you. Then those dark clouds seem to never go away because that's your entire mind. They're not, you don't realize that things will get better as time passes. And so by teaching your monkey mind, giving it a job, you're reminding yourself that your mind is the sky and everything else are clouds that appear and disappear. That is, your mind is the medium in which everything is expressed. All of reality is expressed. And what you'll realize is happiness, what we're all striving for, what we're all shooting for, what we all want our kids to learn, happiness is a byproduct of a well-trained monkey mind. Because you give your monkey mind the job of being aware of the mind. And then you real start to realize when you don't identify with your thoughts which is very hard, when you don't identify with your feelings and emotions, you behave as if that's happening to somebody else. And it is. It's happening to something else. It's happening to your body, which is not you, remember. You realize you're happy. This is not the kind of happiness that you feel when you get something. Or it's not the kind of happiness when you feel when you kiss somebody. It's not any of those kinds of happiness. This is a deep happiness that is constant and everlasting. It's enduring. It's a baseline. What you're doing by training your monkey mind is giving yourself a new baseline. Now, previously it had been thought that whatever your baseline of happiness is, is what you're stuck with. This is what scientists have determined. But now we know that that's not true because of neuroplasticity. When you have a very neuroplastic mind, especially when you're older, you change your baseline of happiness. And so once again, Jainism is being supported by current science. In that respect, this is well documented in science and perhaps a lot of you know this. That is, we seem to have two brains. One is a brain in the center that formed quite a long time ago. And the other is a brain covering it, a portion of the brain covering it, that formed recently, evolutionarily speaking. And sometimes some people you may have heard call that center part of the brain the lizard brain. Well, that's what we're, because it's very similar to lizards. Well, that's what we're talking about. That part of the brain is the monkey mind. It's certain sections of the brain that control your behavior when you're in danger. If you see a bear, that portion of the brain takes over, delivers adrenaline to your body, and you'll run and activates the fight or flight response. And that's good because that keeps you safe. So whenever you have a modern problem, like you're stressed out, so you eat food and your brain, that portion of the, your brain, your monkey mind has said, hey, I got through that problem. I got through that stressful event. I ate food. So that must be what I need to do. And that portion of your brain creates these bad habits That's saying, hey, I ran away and I didn't get eaten by that animal. I need to reinforce that. That's great. But then it says, hey, I got through a stressful time in my life and I ate food. That's not great. So this portion of the mind, you cannot fight. You cannot fight this, uh, for example, some people call it the id. We're calling it the monkey mind, right? You cannot fight it. If you try to fight it, you'll lose. You'll never get rid of this fight or flight response or the way that this portion of the brain can take over your body. The outer portion of the brain is slower and it involves reasoned thought, okay? And it can take over the brain, but it will always lose in a battle with the monkey mind. So science has been buttressing this fact that meditators have known for quite a long time. So questions or comments about any of that? Okay. So let's take another 15 seconds. Let's make it 30 seconds this time and let's train our monkey mind. Just give it a job. Just tell it to be aware of the breath. Notice the feeling each time you breathe in and breathe out each moment that you're breathing and especially in between the breaths. And the thing that I learned is you can meditate. You don't have to, you can meditate for one second, two seconds, 15 seconds. I did not know that before. We've been calling it mindfulness, right? But whatever you call it, you can do it. You don't have to sit down. You don't have to close your eyes. The room doesn't have to be quiet. You can do it in your car, you know, just before you, just right when you're in the parking lot, you can do it then. And what you, and you feel different, right? Even for those 15 seconds, for those 15 seconds we just did, did you feel any different? Okay, so I described it to you. So maybe you describe it to me in your words. Did in those 15 seconds, which we did twice now, you felt different? How did you feel different?
2: The, the first thing is it was definitely uh, a training is required it was not that given even for 15 seconds to stay on just focusing on the breath it's you know the the I, I just love the, the analogy of a monkey mind uh, and the way it's described and that's exactly how it is it just jumps from one place to the other so even from for 15 seconds or 30 seconds it was hard to to stay in one place. And as simple as just focusing on your, your breath.
0: So, yeah. Certainly. <clears throat> and so, the thing about giving your monkey mind a job is you identify, it helps us identify that we are not our body. Our brain is part of our body. Our brain is a unitasker. Okay? It's going to think All the time. But that doesn't mean we have to pay attention to it. Our brain thinks like our heart beats. We cannot control. We can control somewhat our heart beating. But we can't make it stop. We can speed it up and slow it down. But we can't make it stop beating. That is the job of the heart. It is never going to stop. Same thing with the brain. We can't make it stop thinking. It will always be thinking. But you can push that thinking into the background because awareness, which is your soul, a product of your soul, is different from thinking, which is the product of the body. And thinking is what the monkey mind and the brain does. So questions or comments on that?
1: So we we are still talking about paying attention to certain aspects of the thinking. We're not saying that put all thinkings in the back door, right? At any given moment, you do have to pay attention to something, to whether you're acting, you're working on your current task, you're working on your meditation, you're working on whatever you're working on, exercising, um, So we are still going back and telling mind to do focus on certain aspects of the thinking, not putting all the thinking in the back.
0: Okay. So you've identified a um, uh, problem that we have with the words that we use. So, when we talk about mind, we've used quite a bit of words, sometimes interchangeably, and you're right that it's confusing. We've talked about the monkey mind. We've talked about the brain. We've talked about awareness. We talked about thinking. And it's hard to know, well, what does what, okay? So, when I say give the monkey mind a job and give your brain a job, it's confusing if I say, well, tell it to focus on the breath. And then I tell you your awareness is a product of your soul and you're focusing your awareness on your breath. That's confusing because it sounds like I'm telling you two different things, right? So you've correctly identified that. The monkey mind is an analogy that we're using. So if it ever conflicts with something else that's not an analogy, then disregard the analogy. By giving... Awareness to the breath. Awareness which stems from the soul. We realize that when thoughts come, they're a product of the brain and not our soul. So you're right, it's confusing if you think about it that deeply. Because it's wrong if I tell you, give your monkey mind a job and tell it to be aware of your breath. That's wrong, okay? it's That's the analogy that people latch on to your soul and your awareness are focused on your breath and you realize that your brain is spontaneously producing thoughts that you do not have to think you do not have to be aware of you can let go you're aware of that that you had your brain produced a thought then you let it go and then you, and then you're still focused on the breath and then you realize that these thoughts and emotions, they're still occurring. You're focused on your breath and they're still occurring, but you've pushed them into the background. And that's when you start to realize that that's not you. That's somebody else. It's somebody else living in your brain feeding you thoughts. Your monkey mind is feeding you thoughts and your opinions and yours because your soul is looking at your breath, and I'm mixing the analogies up, which you've correctly identified, then you realize that monkey mind is still chattering, but you're not paying attention to it. And that monkey mind is giving you opinions. It's saying, that person's good. I don't like this person. I like this about myself. I don't like this about myself. But guess what? Because you're the boss and your mind, your monkey mind is your employee, you can decide whether to take that opinion under advisement or not. You can decide, "Oh, I don't, you know, it I looked in the mirror and my monkey mind was telling me I'm ugly. No, that that's not that's not right. I'm rejecting that." Right? You can decide whether to think about what your monkey mind is feeding you. It's just chattering. It's going on in the background while you're aware of your thoughts, while you're aware of your breath. Because soon you won't have to close your eyes to do it. Soon you won't have to do uh, different things. Soon you will be aware of your monkey mind. As you go through your life, as you go through your work, you will be aware that your monkey mind is just constantly feeding you things and your brain is constantly working because that's all it can do. Like the heart can only beat, the brain can only think. And while you want to be aware of different things, your brain is giving, trying to convince you to be, to focus on what it's feeding you. It's a monkey mind that's always chattering. So as you live your life, you will now have a friend in a monkey mind that's always telling you stuff and that's sometimes telling you crazy things like, oh, I wonder if I should just push that person or oh, I wonder if I what would happen if I just did this, you know, or if this just happened or sometimes it tells you good things, too, like, oh, I should maybe, you know, get my wife some flowers or something, but you can decide what to listen to and what not to listen to. So now that we have kind of all of that background, let's see if we can focus on our breath and then identify that that monkey mind is a different thing. It's a different person. It's not us. And let's see if we can identify that it's a different thing. That's it. One of the things I want to impress upon you is that it doesn't take a long time. This is not, it's not supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be something that you sit down for five minutes and only then you can identify it. It's right on the surface of your awareness. It's easy to see. It's like if I told you, it's like if we were looking out of a window And I told you to look at some reflection of something behind us in the window. Well, that's easy for you to see. But the people that can't see it are looking through the window at what is past the window and looking for the reflection there. And I say, no, no, no. It's easier to see than that. It's right here. It's right in front of you. That's how easy it is for us to identify that our mind is telling us different. And you know what's crazy is when I started doing this, and then when I started being aware that this was happening throughout the day, throughout my life, is I would always go back to like the same two or three thoughts. And it would, my monkey mind would always be feeding me the same ones. It's like, if I tell you to not think about a pink elephant, right? You have no choice. You have to think about the pink elephant. You can't not do it. And it would always just be feeding me the same two or three thoughts. And I would say, why did I think of that? Why is it thinking of that? And I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. But you probably will have the same thing again. Just like these two or three different scenarios that it's like, oh, you're not paying attention to me. Maybe you'll pay attention to this. Or, oh, you're not paying attention to me. Maybe you'll pay attention to this. Just constantly feeding you things to think about. And you decide whether you want to think about them or not. And one of the things, one of the questions you should always ask yourself is, as this happens to you is, Why did I think of that? Always ask yourself, have you ever found yourself lost in thought? And then you wonder how you got there. And you're like, how did I get started thinking about this? And then you, and then you have to read, this is a good exercise, by the way. Then you have to retrace the chain. It was like, oh, I started thinking about my high school because I was thinking about my child and she's about to graduate. And then I was thinking about her last graduation and she was wearing those graduation clothes, that gown and that hat. And then I started thinking about when I was in that gown and that hat. And that made me think about my friend in high school. And that's why I started thinking about high school. If you've never done that, this is how your mind works. This is how scientifically your mind works because these neurons are connected, right? The monkey mind is gossiping neurons, right? They love to reinforce each other By one gets excited and it stimulates the pathway to another one. And it stimulates the pathway to another one. That's how your brain is physically structured. And that is why your mind works like that. And that has nothing to do with you. That has nothing to do with your soul. That is simply your brain doing what it does. Like your heart does what it does. So questions or comments on that.
1: So for me personally, I think, uh, and that, that's that been identified for a while, but you put it in a in a way that actually makes more sense because the most thing works for me is obviously visualization. So the last exercise, what you ask us to do, I literally have to visualize a monkey in my head in order to keep it away, keep keep the things around, right? That's not like a third person or third thing that is not belongs to you, right? Uh, when you start seeing the same thing with you as a body and the soul separately, that, that a soul wears this body and moves on with different forms, then, then it's, it's kind of, for myself, it's much easier to, to put that in action. Um, it's very, it's when I think about that, when it's never happening like 24 seven, we have that in front forefront, but, yeah, when, when you are thinking in that direction, then for me, visualization makes it more easier to execute certain types of exercise, uh, brain exercise in other words. So the other part that I thought I was going to ask you about is, you know, when we say we have a gut feeling, right? There are certain, you know, you have all the logics, you have all the answers in front of you, but then there is something calling you to do something differently. You know there's a there's a gut feeling that we call it you know sometimes I feel like that's the call coming inside that is you know putting all your experience putting all the facts in front of you aside something else is telling you to do something differently and the more and more you hear that I think it makes it in my in, in my life I have seen that has not every time is correct but nine out of ten times I would say eight out of ten times you know it's it's a it's it's a correct call so if 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 we are call, calling about focusing on certain aspects uh, awareness of your of your actions and awareness of your thoughts uh i tell this to my kids too that you know do not suppress your gut feeling do not at least at least pay attention to some extent to may have uh, some And the more and more you do this, then and then more and more it comes out and more and more you suppress more and more it will go away. So that, that works for me. I do practice a lot on that side, but yeah, just something to thought about that piece too.
0: Right. And scientists will tell you that what is at work is your subconscious is processing different information than your logical brain and is presenting you with a different answer and that is the reason for your gut feeling. But that is wrong. We know that it is possible to tap into the information inside of our soul, inside of us, for our brain to tap into that information. We know that it is possible to know without thinking, because that is one of the qualities of the soul, is to know. And very experienced meditators, much more experienced than me, have verified this, that it is possible to know without thinking. And so that is something that it could be you're tapping into. And one of the things that you will realize is that when you see that your awareness is different from your thinking That right there is proof of the existence of a soul. It is very hard, believe me, to try to not identify with your body. Because this is the water in which we swim. This is our only medium of interacting with reality, is our body, which includes our mind and our brain. This is very hard to understand that there's something else inside of us that's not our body. But, if you can believe that awareness is different from thinking, if you come to that realization, which is not hard to do, we can do it right now, that awareness is different from thinking, that right there is proof of the existence of the soul. Okay? Because scientists will say, we don't understand how that works because we understand that there is a mind but we don't understand how the configuration of brain particles results in the structure of the mind they will tell you that that is called the hard problem of consciousness they will tell you that it is unknown it is not proven in science that is a very interesting question and i would like to prove it well let me tell you that is the existence of your soul And once, if you can make this easy breakthrough to tell yourself that awareness is different from thinking, you will be, you will, it's like you'll have a rocket ship on your spiritual path because that will prove to you that your soul exists. And so I realized the wording is a little confusing. I'm saying the mind is the existence of the soul. I'm saying I'm kind of confusing the words mind, awareness, soul, and brain, right? I'm telling you that, I'm saying that, well, there's this part of the, the, the awareness is a product of the soul, and thinking is the product of the mind, and scientists say that, well, the mind is, um, this structure, and I'm kind of equating that structure to the soul. I aware, I'm aware that it's confusing, these terms. It's not very easy to make it logical, um, be- and it's it's not easy because it's so hard to get out of our mind, right? It's so hard to think about it. So if you're having confusion about that, about these words that I'm using, I totally understand what you're getting at. And this monkey mind business is just, as Bavin mentioned, it's just an analogy to help you to latch on, to come to these realizations, okay? And I understand that it's an analogy and it breaks down, just like, the sky equals the mind analogy kind of breaks down. Um, But if it helps you, then it helps you. And if it makes you confusing, then let it go and just realize that your awareness is different from your thoughts. That is the ultimate realization. Your awareness is different from your thoughts and you can let your thoughts go. You can let your thoughts come and go without giving them awareness, without paying attention to them. So... Let's talk about our challenge this week. Your challenge is to identify your monkey mind at least once or twice this week and tame it by giving it a job, which we realize is not the right wording now. Everybody is on the same page that that's not the right wording, but that's what we're gonna use because that's the analogy. So let's try it now. Let's, Let's become aware of our breath. And notice, while we're aware of our breath, Notice the things that go on in the background, the thoughts that come, and then you try to let them go. And if you forget about breathing, then you'll just come back to it and you'll and then ask yourself, when you remember to come back to your breathing, ask yourself, why did I think of that? And this is a good practice. This is not becoming wrapped up in your thoughts. Think about what made you to think about that and go back on that trail. And then once you're satisfied that, oh, It was my itchy leg that made me think of this bug that made me think of, you know, my kids are afraid of bugs that made me want to check the door in the house. Then you thought about that, then let it go. You're happy that you figured out where did that thought come from and then focus on your breath again. So let's try it. And that's it, okay? It, your challenge this week doesn't have to be anything more than that. You don't have to close your eyes, although a lot of us did. You don't have to do anything. You just have to, f- you don't have to do anything physically. You just have to focus on your breath. I know that when I ask you to make half an hour a day to meditate, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. I can't carve a half hour out of my day. I can't do this. I can't do that. But here's something you can do. So let's think of a time And write it down when you can do your challenge this week and let's do it. How about in the parking lot before heading to your job? How about, how about while you're waiting for dinner before your dinner's made or before you make it? When can you do this in your life? I want you to think about it. How about in the morning? That's a great time. We know that's a great time to do things because that sets up, sets us up during the day. How about right before bed? And then this is, you know, just different things to stimulate on when you're gonna do this and just do it once or twice. And notice how you feel and see if you can come to that awareness. And this is not hard. You don't have to take, you can do this right now. I've been trying to get us to do it right now, three times, okay? I'm not telling you this this thing that could be your rocket ship on your spiritual path. I'm not telling you it's hard to see. I'm telling you it's so close it's, I'm not saying it's hard to find because it's so far out there. I'm saying it's hard to find because it's so close. It's right in front of us. Okay, so sometimes we can't see it. And sometimes we look right through it, looking for it somewhere else. But we're looking right at it, but we can't see it. This is not a hard breakthrough, but it is an important one for us to have. So everybody tell me, when are you going to do this challenge? Once or twice this week. Tell me when you're going to do it in your life.
1: Yeah, for yeah, definitely in the morning was better for me. Uh, but during the daytime, dude, uh, taking a break in the day, daytime doing the work, I'll be trying.
0: Okay, so we'll go down each each row here. Me here. When are you gonna do this in your life?
2: During lunch. Lunch. Uh, or right before or after lunch. Uh, uh.
0: Okay, Goshik, how about you?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm going to
1: go for the evening uh, after work Just spend
3: some time thinking about it.
0: Okay. Paresh, how about you?
3: Um, in the evening uh, when I'm on my walk. Uh,
0: what time is your walk?
3: It's around 6 o'clock. 6, six, six
0: o'clock. 30. Okay. I'll be reminding you. Nick, how about you?
3: As per Loba, she says I should do it before I get home from work.
0: That's a great time. That's a great time to realize. Because that will put you in a different mindset to interact with the family, right?
3: That's what she's saying.
0: (laughs) That's a great time. Okay. So as I hinted, my job is I will be reminding you at these times throughout the week. And I will say... Bhavan, this is when you said you would try this and maybe that's my job and maybe that's how I can bring value to your life. Questions or comments about anything we talked about?
2: Demar, I'd like to share a, a story that I heard uh, earlier in the week. this was is but last week basically. Uh, when I was listening to Bankajanko in uh, Ashna, and he shared a story that, Absolutely. For me, it relates to, to the topic we had today. So there was a little boy uh, who was very poor. His mom, uh, I, I was, uh, he and his mom were there and he told his mom that he wants to eat here. Well, they, his mom did not have anything in that house. He was actually a shepherd. So he will take, uh, you know, the, the cattle to the field and such. And, uh, his mom realized that he hadn't had enough food for a few days. So she went around different houses and got him, uh, and brought, got different stuff, uh, just basically asked for it. And she, she made him here. She made him here. It was hot. She let it sit down for cooling it down and she left for her work. Well, uh, the, all of a sudden, uh, you know, dad comes in and ask for uh, you know, like a goat tree. And uh, this boy who was wanting to eat here for so many days offers uh, Marat everything because he was a shepherd. He has seen Marat and he was so happy that the Marat came to his house. And Marat had upwas, and I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's actually a, a story that's, that's in the scriptures about this. So what happens is that he offers everything and then Obviously, Marat Sahib leaves, there was just nothing left. So, uh, I guess somehow he finished, he kind of like, he has said like, you know, the milk and stuff that was left in the thali after offering everything to Marat Sahib. He was kind of enjoying that and his mom saw him. So his mom was like, oh, wow, he enjoyed his kheer." So his mom was happy. Well, that night, he has this thought in his mind. He was the positive thought that he offered key to marad that he was fond of he wanted it so much this positive thought uh he basically and and you know in his mind that was going on the way i think about it was in the mind and he dies that that night well he becomes shalibhadra that did not have to worry about anything in in future janma because i mean now he has more wealth than anybody else we talk about Shali so this was the prior birth of shali but I think the importance of thought the way it was explained there's another part of the story which was a negative consequences because of the negative thought but this was a positive uh thought that led uh you know uh, Shali Badra into his uh, wealth and and all the other things that we know about Shalibhadra uh, but it, it was, it was just like, you know, and the way it was explained is a thinking of a positive thing. And one thing I noticed during the last one is the thought that comes to your mind and tries to distract you is the thought that you have planted. I have planted, maybe my soul had planted to some extent. And I, I like that the body and, and, the, and the soul is different. So the mind and, and, uh, you know, the, the mind that belongs to body and the soul is different. Well, somehow I had planted that thought in there at some point in time. So it just came back to me that I'm free and I'm not thinking about anything. So it's like, I like the training. Like I have a training, I've trained my mind to give me the thought I want when I'm free. So if I train it to give a positive thought it'll bring the positive thought, if I train it to give, you know, uh, like, for example, i give you an example, you know, every time I train my mind to prepare for the next thing. So to be honest, I've been thinking about this story all along and you know, the last, during the last, uh, meditation, the thought that comes to my mind is how I'm going to explain this to the group. So I have trained my mind to give me what's coming next and that's exactly what happened. So if I can train my mind to, to bring positive thoughts, when I'm, I am, am relaxing or meditating it will bring those positive thoughts or it will it'll focus or it'll do whatever I tell it to do. Uh, but it, it was quite interesting experiments and uh, realization when, especially during the third, third time
0: for me. That's great. I'm so happy for you because you have described what neuroplasticity is and you have described step by step how you have increased your baseline level of happiness you've increased it because your brain your monkey mind is feeding you happier thoughts so you've described what i said generally but you've experienced it you've experienced resetting your baseline level of happiness and you've described from your perspective how that works so that's amazing i'm so happy Other questions or comments?
3: Hey Tim, um, um, I just have a comment. Uh, You're right, I'm one of the people who is confused by you know all what you were saying. I tried to uh, uh, grasp it but I know one thing for sure. and you and the class have helped me with that, and and I just wanted to make sure I, I say this uh, because one of the first things you you um, made me understand is your thoughts are not you, and I remember that very clearly. So this is building up on that, uh, I assume, but uh, you know that just that simple concept has helped me very much quite a bit and so I just wanted to make that comment thanks
0: that's great I'm so happy for you and it's amazing the amount of mental suffering that we put ourselves through needlessly so that's what I say right when I say that we build our own cages around us and we build this invisible cage around us and that keeps us That makes us suffer and people don't get it. You know, people are like, oh, you know, that's just kind of hyperbole or, you know, that's just, it's just, you know, hogwash or this new age BS, you know, but it's true. So I'm so glad for you and I'm so happy for you that uh, whatever we've been discussing has been helping and has a positive impact. I remember you told me this like, you know, more than a year ago now. So, and I'm so glad that you still remember it and it continues to have a positive impact on your life and it's become something that you've internalized. That makes me so happy and it's worth, you know, whatever we do coming here all this time over weeks and weeks to have that experience. So you, you both have been, have given a gift to me because that's why we do this. So I'm so excited and happy for you. Thank you so much for your time this week. I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you.